Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Christopher Drobut. Having worked and lived across Western Canada, Christopher has recently made a shift out of an 18-year career with one company to now exploring Edmonton's innovation ecosystem. His experience launching a store in a new market helped him realize his excitement around bringing ideas into reality and the power of a supportive network in making that happen. Christopher is involved in the Aquatic Biosphere project, working on funds development for a push to bring a world-class aquarium to the city of Edmonton. He's also working towards building a machine learning model with retail applications and is completing the final courses towards his MBA. Let's join Christopher now as he has a conversation with Sahar Gattas. Take it away, Christopher. All right. Hello and welcome to the Rainforest Alberta podcast. This episode, we are coming to you from Edmonton. I'm your host today, Christopher Drobot. And with us for this episode is Sahar Gachas. And Sahar is a leading sales and marketing strategist focused on pioneering new marketing methodology. He is an author, a speaker, a member of the Forbes Council, and the co-founder and chief revenue officer with Flawless Inbound, where he helps entrepreneurs shift the way they think about marketing their companies. Welcome to the podcast. Christopher, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me and I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Absolutely, me as well. Um, you know, we uh, we did actually meet at a Rainforest meeting a, a few weeks back and I know that you've been involved in the community for some time and uh, some of your folks from your office actually come there regularly. So, you know, maybe if we can start, we'll, we'll get to that later. But why don't we just start just with yourself and why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got to where you are today. Perfect. So, uh, first of all, uh, I was born and raised in a very far, far away place on the pond on the other side. I'm actually born and raised in Cairo, Egypt. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in the land of the pharaohs. <laughs> and uh, I landed in Canada almost 19 years ago. Um, English was not my first language, uh, but Canada was actually kind of the dream for, for me to, to come in and bring my family. And when I came in, in the beginning, you know, there was a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts and didn't know really what I really want to do. But I was lucky enough to join a Fortune 100 company and learn a lot from them. And uh, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer uh, by, by trade, by education. So kind of I'm wired more to be a data scientist and analytics and know a little bit about AI and machine learning. Okay. Uh, yeah. and that was like 20 years ago, even before coming to Canada. So imagine Christopher, like imagine you're actually programming machine learning with slow PCs and dial up modems to the internet. It was like boring back then, right? That's so, very different <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> where we are today. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of quickly in a nutshell, like how how I started, how I came, uh, how I came to that, and then uh, you know during the years, usually you would uh, you would feel that there's a sound inside of you telling you, I think you need to do something different, and you know you can help better by by doing something different, and this kind of how things quickly evolved. Uh, into where I am today. It's uh, it's remarkable how many entrepreneurs I've met that have that same voice that just tells them they they just have to do something. <laughs> that, that's that's funny. Um, so well, you know, kind of let's let's 
take that a little further. So today, as you said, so where are you today? What what are what's uh, what are you doing today? So today, I'm, I'm so lucky to be working with an amazing team. Uh, we're flawless and bound. We have been in operation for five plus years. Uh, we're a team of 15 people full time, uh, operating in Alberta and BC. We support almost 80. B2B clients in Canada and the US. Uh, we learn from them each day and hopefully we add value to them each day. Uh, we mainly focus on helping them in sales and marketing alignment uh, from a digital perspective and really helping them grow the business. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are today. Let's uh, maybe if you don't mind to dig into that a bit, because I think you know, a lot of people might not necessarily think of sales and marketing as like an innovation industry. <laughs> but but I know like as I was reviewing through uh, some notes prior to our call here, just or sorry to our podcast here is just that you speak about innovation a lot and you talk about kind of new marketing methodologies and you talk about um, it, why don't why don't you ex- expand on that? a bit? Sure, sure. Uh, so I remember I came from the IT industry and then before the IT industry, I came from machine learning and AI again in ancient history, if I may say, compared to right now. So I find that everybody speaks about digital transformation. But then when people speak about digital transformation, usually it comes to operation efficiency, right? Uh, so it comes usually from the IT department or IT consulting or, or a technology platform. But then while I was working in this Fortune 100 company, and actually I was leading a sales and the marketing team in this Fortune 100 company, it was actually an international company at that time. It's a $55 billion company, so I was fortunate to learn a lot from them. I find that technology founders and co-founders, uh, they are so good in what they do, but sometimes they need a different kind of approach when it comes to building their sales and marketing organization. Especially if you start crossing year three and year four in your business, and you actually want to scale up from when it comes to sales and marketing. So the last five years, me and my team, what we were actually doing, we're trying to study different behavior. The behavior of a business buyer or your prospect or your client. And we noticed that they usually will go through different patterns. We call them touch points. And they're usually eight to 12 different touch points. Oh, and by the way, it changed each six months. Uh, so it's not even static. Uh, as we say, right? So so what we start doing, we start building playbooks that are 100% focused on B2B technology companies, how to attract, how to engage with the digital buyer, somebody who's looking at your company, and they want to maybe test out your products or your services, and you want to hopefully bring them as a customer, and then at some point in time, evolve them to be a raving fan to your brand and your business. And we start finding during the five years that actually the traditional funnel, which is marketing, sales, and hopefully a client, it was working, but it's not being efficient anymore. And we start seeing that actually this is this is kind of converting to a flywheel. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the concept of a flywheel, it's really an engineering concept, which means that to make this flywheel spin faster, meaning you're growing your company faster, you have to put some forces and leverage points, but also you have to remove friction. Right. So think about applying this to your business and sales and marketing. So you want to remove friction by how you onboard a new client, how you market your service, how you properly hand off the prospect from a sales lead to the delivery and operation team, how the operation team actually take care very well of that customer so that they become a raving fan and then they can refer other clients to you. Yeah, that makes sense? That does make sense. So this is kind of what we start doing. We start building those playbooks. And then we start first, actually, when we started first five years ago, we were purely management consulting organization. But then we quickly find out that uh, still the founder, co-founder are struggling with the execution of this plan. 
So then as Flawless Inbound, we quickly pivot to be more of the delivery arm when it comes to sales and marketing alignment for their business. So you guys really recognize that strength that you already had and said, well, let's lean into that. Exactly. I yeah. think that was mainly it. And, and to be honest with you, we're learning each and every day because as I told you, uh, those frameworks, they actually change each six months. They are not uh, static or s- stagnant. Right. Um, so me and the team, we always go back to the whiteboard, drawing board and say, okay, this playbook was actually working six months ago. Now it's not as efficient. What are we missing? Did the buyer behavior change? And if it changed, how can we adjust and adapt? Which is like any normal thing in business. You always have to pivot around and figure out new ways of growing your company. So this is actually what we do for uh, for clients. Awesome. We become their CMO office and we kind of help them grow this way. Awesome. So why Edmonton? Like what, what, about, what about Edmonton? Like, you know, a guy from Egypt. What about Edmonton? Hey, you guys have a pyramid here. <laughs> so it was absolutely a natural uh, landing point for me. So uh, I'll tell you the real story. So when when I was in Egypt at that point in time and I was working in consulting and, and all those kind of things, I actually moved to Dubai for five years of my life. So I left Egypt, moved to Dubai with my wife and kid. And then while I was in Dubai, actually, I applied to immigrate to Canada. And, and my dream was always Canada, uh, regardless of what, what, what city, to be honest with you. Because I have a lot of family that immigrated uh, as well, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And they were always speaking to me, you know, Canada, it's family, it's safe. And, you know, and so, so I had this inside of me, in my subconscious a long time ago, even when I was in high school in Cairo, Egypt. Does that make sense? And so as soon as I graduated from engineering back home, I actually applied uh, as a skilled worker to, to come to Canada. But the paper took a long time. While I was doing that, I said, you know what? I want to just start, you know, coming in, visiting and just doing some interviews. So believe it or not, I was lucky enough. I had a friend of mine. He now is actually working at Microsoft Canada. And when I landed, stayed with him and his wife. And then I applied for this company that I was working with for nine years of my life. And then I flew back to Dubai. And then during Christmas and New Year, I got an email from them saying, hey, do you want to come and, uh, you know, for an interview? I said, wow, this is kind of, this is a Santa is kind of, you know, giving me a, <laughs> a gift. So that's exactly how it came that the, the first, uh, you know, offer actually came uh, from a company, had a branch in Edmonton. And uh, yeah, and I just landed on, on the job at that time. Very blessed, uh, thankful. And uh, this is how it all started, I think, 19, almost 19 years ago. So. Awesome. Awesome. So then what's kind of the, maybe just fill in a couple of gaps for me here. Like what was kind of the, the inspiration point that led you to found, you know, co-found your own company here? Like what? Um, so uh, if you remember, I told you like I was working in this company. Uh, it's $55 billion company. Uh, it's like Cisco Systems. It's like Microsoft and HP and, you know, those kind of things. So I was leading marketing and sales at that point in time. And usually as a big vendor, um, multinational organization, you know, your publicly traded company, all those kind of things, usually you don't sell yourself, especially if you want to scale. You use a channel organization, i.e. resellers for your products and services. So my mission inside of, uh, inside of Cisco Systems at that time to empower those smaller organizations to sell better our product and service at that time. So I start noticing that there is a pattern that the founders of Converse are so amazing in what they do. They love dealing with their clients. They are so innovative in creating a product and service. You're talking about the channel. The channel, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which was almost 300 clients of us at that time. So this channel was like 300 resellers in Canada. So they're so, they are amazing, brilliant people, so passionate about helping their clients. But I find this pattern that it repeats with 
almost all of them, um, which is they, they fail into truly building a sales and a marketing playbook. So their sales and marketing process either is always in their mind, or maybe they hire somebody who they got so lucky that he knows how to extract the sales and marketing framework from the founder, co-founder, but then it stops there. And, I, and I, I, got, I got puzzled all the time. Like, why does it stop there? Why they can't break the ceiling and scale up and grow? Well, there's only so many friends and family you can meet, I guess. Bingo, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I think that's, that's I, I think, what happened. At that point in time, I, I have seen that maybe if I can bootstrap, you know, flawless and bound, it can actually help uh, the channel organizations for technology resellers. And it exactly started at that from, you know, the basement of, of my house in Edmonton, an idea. And then this idea kind of uh, overnight success. No, I'm not sure about that. F five years of sweat, tears, and broken bones uh, <laughs> and scars on the back uh, were kind of now kind of touching the surface and kind of truly helping clients uh, kind awesome. of grow and expand. Awesome. Um, so within this community then, how, how do you feel that your work helps to support the community or help provides, you know, some sort of intrinsic value to to the community as a whole so you know what uh, let's speak about you know rainforest if, if you don't mind right? sure. i think this is one of the amazing communities so remember i came from it right and, and i understand the industry i i think i understand the industry but uh modems and and kind of yeah exactly times. old days exactly yeah. uh i think when i stepped into rainforest i i understood it took me some time to understand the value of having a platform for you as a founder and co-founder to kind of really brainstorm and share ideas in a safe environment so what i start feeling when i start engaging with rainforest that when you step into that community to when you step into that platform if i may say the first thing you have to do is you have to leave your ego outside even if you're a founder, co-founder of a successful company, hey, we're all here peers. The second thing is, listen, you will always be missing something that you don't know, but you think you know everything. This is the community actually that can put a spotlight on gaps that maybe you might have. And I love this so much. Because as a founder, co-founder, you need always to have a growth mindset. Absolutely. And I think Rainforest is this kind of platform that actually, if you know how to use the platform correctly, uh, you can benefit a lot from them. So, so when I start getting engaged, I start learning myself. And, you know, because, hey, like we're five years in the business, we're just scratching the surface. Like we have a bigger vision, a scary vision, right? So I need help as much as I can. And, and, and I start getting help and said, you know what? Something is not balanced here. I need to give back. So, you know, they, they knew about Flawless and they start asking me questions. So how do you do marketing? Because our product is brand new. Nobody knows about that. We have limited marketing budget. How can I build a sales force or a sales team for myself? Uh, should I hire, you know, big corporate executives or should I just bring and coach someone. So I start kind of, you know, we had conversation and start whiteboarding some stuff. And then I find that the room some kind of got quieter and people were looking and said, okay, I'm doing something really wrong or something really right. And I start being more engaged in the community. I say, hey guys, maybe you try this out, see if it works, see if it doesn't and all those kind of things. So this is kind of how really the engagement with Rainforest work. And I, and each and every time I try to attend some of the meeting, me or my colleagues, uh, we, we always feel that we're learning something new uh, because they actually, I think they, they, they bring the right people in the room. And, and what I love about Rainforest also is the diversity. So you maybe can be a B2B organization sitting beside of you, somebody who's focused on B2C, but you can borrow uh, a playbook from them and apply it in your B2B organization. And, and that's kind of 
it's innovative uh, from that manner as well. Yeah, and, and even just the different perspectives that everybody brings. You've got people that are that are very much innovators, like that they are the inventors of products, and you've got people that are like yourself. They're on the marketing side, or people that are very product focused and and service focused and all all in between so that diversity i think it, it really uh is a big part of why rainforest is is an important way for all these different sectors and different you know parts of the sectors as well to come together and have those conversations like you're talking about so absolutely yeah that's awesome absolutely. um so then if maybe let's touch quickly on uh you know, your journey that you've had, like you talked about, you know, sweat and broken bones and, and you know, I don't know, were there, were there actually I any broken bones? Dramatic, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, actually to the point that I wrote a book about journey to the summit and I was trying to kind of between the lines, kind of convey the message. Um, so it's, it's, it starts first with the, hey, I was working in a big corporate job, secure job, uh, you know, they call it the golden gloves, I guess. And oh, yeah, the, gold, the golden handcuffs. Yeah, the golden hand gloves. Yeah. Exactly. And then you feel that, you know, you need to do something different, like something inside of you, like a sound you don't know from where it came and saying, you know what, you need to do something different. But just before I continue the story, I just want to tell the audience that um, it's not like if you're an entrepreneur, you're a superhero and everybody else is, is normal people. Because honestly, being an entrepreneur is not the only way for you to actually feel the value that you can bring to the community. So I hope everybody understand that there's something called intrapreneur, which means you can actually be working in a corporate and you can be coming with new ideas. And by the way, this is less risky and less broken bones and less cars <laughs> on the back. Yeah. Are we on the same page here? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So what is what I have seen the last five years, sadly, that because of the, you know, the, the the culture and the peer pressure that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. And I can tell you right now, entrepreneur is not for everyone because it's not an easy road. Think about you're actually really climbing a mountain. And that's why when I wrote the book, The Journey to the Summit, um, how about first step into the base camp and test and see if entrepreneur life is right for us or not? And this might take a year, it might take six months, it might take two years. And be an MVP of yourself. Everybody understand what MVP means, minimum viable product. How about you test yourself, am I a minimum, minimum viable product to be an entrepreneur or not? Because it's not easy and it gets darker and it gets lonely. And this is back why you need reinforced, by the way. Till you really cross year two and year three, and now you will kind of understand why did I even start from the beginning? Or why did I push myself to do what I want to do? And then at that point in time, kind of you're being tested. <laughs> and then now things will start being connected and, you know, you start kind of growing and learning things from there. That makes sense? That does make so sense, our, yeah. our story really started this way. It was an idea. But honestly, we were naive. We didn't know how much it take. And it's not just about the time. It's actually about the, the punches that you need to be ready. You're going to be, you're going to be facing at least 364 bad days and only one good day in year one. And then year two, your mission as a founder, co-founder is to reduce the number of bad days and apply the learning to get better. And it gets better with time. But the real question you need to ask yourself as a founder, co-founder, are you ready for 364 hard days? And are you ready to change your mindset that if you're facing those hard days, how about you call them learning days? But the idea is that if you are in a boxing match, are you ready for 12 rounds 
And sometimes you will be by yourself in the corner of this boxing match. Oh, and by the way, it's not over yet in round number 12. That's only year one. Year two, you're going to step to other 12 rounds. And you know what I mean by 12 rounds. Yeah. Each month, you need to balance your books. You need to see if there's cash in the bank. Can you attract the right talent? Are you building a culture for your company? Do you have a sales and marketing process? What your competition is doing? Are you innovating? Are you brave enough to take risk? Can the banks lend you money? Do you have VC relationship? Do you understand the stock of your company? What's what, what, what about dilution of stocks? And all those kind of things are happening. And you, you didn't know any of that. You were just so passionate of stepping in the wild and helping people and creating a product. But by the way, this is only 10% of being an entrepreneur. The other 90% that nobody speaks about is the deep learning. It's the iceberg effect. Exactly. Yeah. That you actually have to go to. And it will take 12 to 24 months to actually kind of settle and balance yourself and then take your team to the next level. So, so that actually what happened, to be honest with you, very transparent here. That's exactly what happened to us the first few years till we kind of adjusted and we're always fixing and adjusting and we're always a work in progress, right? And, so. and you know, there's no, uh, there's no easy way around that 12 to 24 months. Like that's the thing. Everybody learns their own path. Like totally, you know, they try to have courses, they try to have, you know, sessions, you try to have conferences. It doesn't matter. Every single person that I've spoken to, it's the exact same thing. You have to. They <laughs> have like, their 12 to 24 months and it's maybe, maybe they learned as much as they could, but they have now different things that they didn't learn. And those are the things learn. that trip them up. Absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Um, so uh, then let's kind of expand on that maybe a little bit more. Just just life advice. I mean, you, you're, you're somebody who has moved from another country. You've, you know, taken that secure, you know, corporate job and then jumped out into a whole nother country, let's call it, of entrepreneurialism. And and now uh, five years in, you're feeling, you know, that, well, you've written a book called Journey to the Summit. So you must at least be looking around you at the summit of a mountain and feeling pretty good. So what, what sort of advice or maybe inspiration could you offer from that position? First of all, you're so kind. I'm, I'm learning each day and I'm, and I'm always getting inspired by amazing people uh, around me each day, even my team that work with me each day, because they're actually kind of, you know, in, in, in with me each day in and out and they are supporting me all the way. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be standing on the shoulder of giants and, and Flawless and Bound actually are having giants and I'm just blessed that, you know, always rock stars come and join us each day. How much, sorry, just a quick, like how many people do you have working for you now? 15 full time. So when you right. started, it was just you and your co-founder. You, you got it. And so in five years, you've grown to 15 people in your yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. Which is still, we have a lot of ways to go and it's not easy and we're learning each day. Yeah. Uh, but I can say maybe the bumps is kind of being adjusted because now it's not like the bumps are getting less, but we're kind of maybe getting stronger. You got better shocks in your with, car. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly it. Yeah. So for example, like we're having, like we're planning to expand in Ontario. We want Flawless and Bound to be national. We want at some point in time Flawless and Bound to step in the US. Uh, we want Flawless and Bound to step in Europe, right? So uh, th that's exactly where we're really kind of hoping to to go and, and expand from. And I'll start it here in Edmonton. And absolutely. I'm proud Edmontonian starting in Edmonton. And I think we, we would like to, you know, see ourselves as hopefully other people can say, hey, you can do anything from here. It doesn't need to be an oil and gas only. Uh, there's other things you can do in Edmonton. Absolutely. And expand from from here. And so... Uh, absolutely. We're, we're very proud to be part of this. I kind of uh, took you in a different direction there. You were talking about, you know, the fact that you had your whole team that had, had been supporting you. Like what, 
you know, with, with that growth and that team, like how, how important has that been, I guess, in, in your, even your own learning? You know what? Um, you know, in the beginning, when you start as a founder, co-founder, usually you're wearing 500 different hats. We all know that. But I guess at some point in time, as a founder, co-founder, part of leadership is you need to be courageous enough to raise your hand and admit that you're not good in everything. So you need to actually start letting go of some things. And yes, your company is your baby. I get that. But you need to start letting go and making sure that other people can take care of your baby. If that makes sense? Right, absolutely. And this is scary in the beginning. But for you to cross the ceiling and actually grow as a hopefully founder, co-founder, maybe evolve to the CEO of the company, uh, you need to learn that certain things you are not good at and you will never be good at. Or it will take you five to six years to be good at. So then um, maybe I need to outsource or I need to hire. But you never do that in year one, year two, because you don't want to break cash flow. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you start doing this year three, year four, and then you grow from there. So this is where team come in. But to build a successful team, you actually need first, you as the co-founder and the co-founder, sit together and build something called the culture code of the organization. And yes, you call it an organization if you know your team of two, because that's your vision. This is where you want to be. Does that make sense? Right. So what saved Flawless and Bound, to be honest with you, it's not just our playbooks and it's not just our clients. It's not just our technology that we're bringing to the market when it comes to sales and marketing. The real secret inside of Flawless and Bound is our culture code. We were so adamant to build the culture code properly and we have it called Thrive right and each letter stands for something right so you know what are those yeah just transformation yeah uh you know being honest so authenticity integrity um we have e these stand for education exposure and experience so we get people hired from nate from grand McEwen. they have amazing education amazing gifts now we need to expose them to the market and then they will learn and they will be successful. But then they also need to learn from other team members. So we need to be a melting pot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Results, that's another R, which is very important and thrive. So we need to make sure that actually we're bringing results to ourselves and our clients. But the most important thing is the first T. Uh, so T is transformation. And everybody speaks about transformation. To us, transformation is three levels. First, if you join Flawless and Bound, you need to make sure that you're transforming and growing inside of Flawless and Bound. So let's say you have... Um, skill set that much in two to three months your skill set will be that because you're exposed to a lot of things so now we successfully transformed you as an individual who joined this family so that's the first part of T the second part of T now you're working with our clients we need to make sure you're adding value to them so you're transforming the client's business how we're helping them grow sales and marketing while you're doing this actually you're transforming the sales and marketing industry which in turn you're transforming the community that you live in Think about it this way. Philanthropy comes usually from wealthy founders and co-founders. How they became wealthy because the company is growing. And when the company is growing, they reinvest in the community. I'm talking about the good founders and co-founders. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So now at the end of the day, you're actually transforming the community that you're living in. So T was the core of Thrive. And we actually took it to heart to the point that our annual review with all our team members, including myself, because somebody do, do a review on me as well, as, as a founder, as a CEO, am I doing the right thing uh, for the team or not? We measure, we're measured on Thrive, each and every line of Thrive. Oh, so Actually, you really built in. it in. We yeah. built it in the system. Yeah. We built it in the system. And we have specific KPIs on them. 
to the point that even though we're a small team, we're only 15 people, but I report to my team, the whole team, we do something called a town hall. So on quarterly basis, I stand in front of the, you know, the team of 15 uh, and then I, I report on Thrive and I report on specific KPIs for the CEO uh, to report to his team. So we're adding transparency in that as well. So I can tell you that's that's the secret of how we, how we really, really uh, try to grow. And, and I would advise the audience to read this book about Simon Sinek. Uh, it speaks about leaders eat last. Right. Yeah. It changed completely my perspective on leadership. Because you guys remember, I came from a corporate role and corporate leadership is really different than startup leadership. Like gigantic difference. Yeah. Absolutely. If you know what I mean, right? Absolutely. So yeah. startup leadership, like you have to really s- switch everything, backward engineer the whole thing. And, and I think uh, his book was amazing. I learned a lot from it and I started applying some of it, uh, you know, and, and building the culture for, for flawless. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. Hopefully it makes sense. That does make sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, any other pieces of advice or anything you'd like to share? You know what? I'll, maybe the final thing is I, sh- I share something that uh, I was inspired with uh, through my father. And he, and he told me that um, always understand that as humans on this planet, uh, of course, we have very small time uh, on this planet. And uh, and we're always trying to innovate. Innovation doesn't just mean technology. It doesn't mean how to deal with other humans and how to respect nature around us and all those kind of things. And for us to innovate, first we have to admit that you're 24 seven, you are a work in progress. And as soon as you admit that, you are already stepping in the zone of growth mindset. So you will be unstoppable. And I, and I like my father always told me that and I'm trying to apply it each day, uh, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a co-founder, as a servant of 15 people inside of Flawless Unbound, and also as a servant of 80 plus customers of Flawless Unbound, I'm just learning this each day. And honestly, I think that that kind of helped me always have the energy, even if, even learning or hard days. Yeah, uh, It gave me the energy to keep going. That's great. That's, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank today, you. Sarah. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. I hope it's, it was value to you and the audience as well. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by a generous contribution from Levin Electronics and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. This episode was also made possible by a contribution from Flawless Inbound. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.